for joining us for today's message. We're always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives all around the world through what he's doing right here at Meadowbrook. So if that's you and you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send us an email at godstories at nbcocala.org. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so by giving online. Thanks so much for joining us and prepare your heart to hear from God. Would you please help us welcome our internet audience? Thank you guys for joining, hanging out out with us online. You guys can grab a seat. Man, it's so good to be able to be here with you guys. I'm excited for a fun night. Are you guys ready for a fun night? Receive some stuff from God. Um, Pastor Lee was up here sharing a little bit about the life that's happening at Meadowbrook right now. we got summer series. Uh, we just celebrated Father's Day. Big night coming up here on Friday night. Uh, and that's for everybody to come out and be part of. Um, and then we've got other things happening all throughout the week. There's different outreach projects that are happening, uh, helping single parents and widows. Um, small groups just kicked off just a couple weeks ago. Um, we've got dream teamers serving everywhere. Growth track has been a huge success. I just love the life that God is uh, causing to happen here at our awesome church. So can we just thank God for what he's doing here at Meadowbrook? I'm very, very excited. I'm very honored that Pastor Tim and Alicia would have asked me to share a little bit with you guys and share some things that are on my heart. And uh, tonight, this is the title. It's Be Real Because Fake is Exhausting. So we're going to have a little bit of front fun. Uh, I saw this title and it fit perfectly with um, my message. It's from one of our Ark Church pastors, Rick Bazette. And so he, he wrote this book called uh, Be Real Because Fake is Exhausting. So I totally stole it from him. So uh, Pastor Rick, if you're watching, thank you. It's great. I really appreciate it. It's going to be really fun. So let's kick this off. So we want to, we want to be real because fake is exhausting. How many, that just sounds good. It just sounds good just to be, be real. Um, listen to this opening statement. You are most effective when you are being you. You're most effective. You're at your biggest game, your, your best part of the game, when you are just being you. Oscar Wilde said this, be yourself, everybody else is taken. Just be yourself. Be yourself. Have a little fun just being you. Be you, and you're most effective when you are just being you. Well, what happens in our lives sometimes is we see imitation, we see fake, and just really, really in life itself, right? We have all different kinds of things that, that we uh, are exposed to on a daily basis that maybe aren't real, uh, and maybe they're, they're fake, or maybe they are real. Um, I moved down from, from Florida. My, my dad's here. Hey, Dad. How's it going? Uh, we moved down here when I was 10, about 25 years ago, 26 years ago. I'm 36. So... Uh, we moved down here, and um, what I remember of sweet tea is, is this. I remember the, the carton with the instant, the, the powder. Sweet tea, you take the powder, you put it in water, then you have, you have sweet tea. And then I moved down to Florida, and I was exposed to real sweet tea, and, and I've been converted. So I'm, I no longer have the fake imitation. Sorry, Dad, I think he still drinks it. Um, but I, I've been converted and a lot to do with my wife uh, into real sweet tea. Um, this next idea that we have is Christmas. Christmas time, I love Christmas. And you have your artificial tree, and then you have your real tree. How many artificial tree people do we have? Let's pray. I, I'm a real tree kind of guy. I love the real tree whenever I can. 
um, I, I'll travel up north and even try to cut down a tree and we'll bring it back. But I'm, I haven't broken down yet to go to the, the plastic tree deal. If that's, if that's you, God bless you. And I'm sure there's a small group for you somewhere. But if it's not, if you're a real, how many real tree people out there? Yeah. See, them real tree people know how to celebrate. All right. So uh, this next idea is this. Sometimes you're just in a, in a, in a mood for some fruit loops. But I'm not so in, much in the, in the mood for fruit rings. But sometimes I could be in the mood for fruit loops. If you're in the mood for fruit loops, you don't want fruit rings. You don't want the imitation. You don't want the fake stuff. You want the good stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about. And then um, this next idea uh, is wrestling. Wrestling is just fake. You, there's no real wrestling. It's just fake wrestling. If I'm ruining that for you right now, I'm, I'm sorry. But look at my illustration. Can you... Does it go on the big screen or no? There it is. He's not even touching him with his foot. <laughs> There's, there is no real. It's just fake. So wrestling is fake, fake. So uh, this next idea is, is the diamond. You have the real diamond. You have the not so real diamond. And then this, this last part is, is my personal favorite. You have mud in a can, and then you have mudding. I'm not sure if you guys know this or not, but there actually is a spray mud in the can. Y- yeah. You, there's a, it's, this is genuinely, look it up on Google. This is spray on mud. And then you have mudding. So let me read to you the, uh, the uh, description of the mud in the can. Here's what it is. You give your friends, family, and neighbors the impression that you've just come back from a day's shooting, fishing, off-roading, visiting friends on a farm, Anything but driving around all day in town. And so if, if you want to impress your friends that you've been out all day, like, being a man, then you could get the spray on mud and spray it on your, your car, but it's just fake. It, it, this is, if you see somebody doing this, you, you should slap them or pray for them. Either, what, however, whatever you need to do, but the idea is this, that in our life there's, there's fake, there's imitation, and then there's real. And I think that God is calling us to be real. I look at the the life of Jesus and Jesus walking on this earth, and I see authenticity. I see Jesus being real, and I see that happening um, through all the scriptures. Uh, Here at Meadowbrook, we have five core values that are kind of interwoven through our ministry. And if you've been around here any length of time, and I read these to you, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I see that, and I see this, and I see that. But the core values that Pastor Tim and Alicia have, have, have prayed about and have established for, for Meadowbrook are these. Biblical truth, right? Authenticity. We're going to talk about that. Servant leadership. Family. And excellence. So if you've been around any amount of time, you could probably, all these words, you've probably seen them in different parts of our ministry. It is what makes up Meadowbrook Church. And the one that I want to kind of pull out tonight, the core value that is part in the, it's like the DNA, it's what Meadowbrook Church is all about is uh, one of those things is authenticity. Authenticity. And Pastor Tim and Alicia have kind of crafted this definition for us to, to have, and it's this, being real and genuine before God and man. An attitude representing the real you. We don't want the fake you here at Meadowbrook. We want the real you. We want the real person that God has called you to be. And so we're going to dig into a little bit of this tonight and kind of break some things apart. But the first scripture we want to kind of check out is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, it's going to be in verse 16. It says this. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, say it with me, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. I just love that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. And we go on and we see these different things that are just really cool. The more and more like him, we become more and more like him. When we're in the spirit, when we are in freedom, we become more and more like him. And we are changed into his glorious image. We are changed into his glorious image. I believe, and and then we see kind of these things, that the creation should reflect the creator. The creation should reflect the creator. And I see it, you know, if you have kids, you see with your children, my, my son and my daughter, uh, they're 10 and 12, and I can see bits and pieces in my wife and I and how they respond and their, their personalities and uh, how they talk and how they act. And you can see that in the, the you see the, the, the creator in what he's created. And, uh, and an artist, we have a, in a, 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 a small group called Art Together, and they do art on Saturdays. And um, you can see kind of in, in the paintings that they've made the person's personality in the creation. And I believe that God wants to see himself in us, the creator in the creation. And so we want to be able to have more and more and become more and more like him uh, and become more and more in his glorious image. And so the first thing I want to kind of dig into, the, the first point, the first idea is this, that we can remove the mask. Remove the mask. Remove the mask. I think and I believe that we use masks to cover up needs. We all have needs, don't we? We use masks to cover up the need, those needs. We, we use a mask to cover up the need of love. We put that mask on. We use masks to cover up the need for friends, the need for acceptance. We put that mask on. The need for money, so we, we put that mask on. The need for security, we put that mask on. The need for self-worth. We have, and, and wherever that mask is for you, we put these things on. We put this mask on. But really, when it boils down to We all have needs. And let me tell you, you're not going to find, you're not going to be fulfilled in the need of the mask that you wear. You're going to find your fulfillment in Jesus. The the fulfillment that you have in life is not going to be in the mask that you wear. The fulfillment that we need and what we need as a child of God, we need Jesus in our lives. We need to let go of the mask and we need to run to Jesus Christ. That's what we really need to do. And what happens there, we just saw in the scripture, that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So when we run to Jesus, there's freedom to just be you, to just be who God has created you to be. It's in that moment that you've given your life to God, that you've put down yourself and you've picked up who he wants you to be. We lay down ourselves and we connect to what God wants for us. But really the reality is if we could just be real, the reality is is that um, a lot of times in our lives that we feel different pressures to wear masks. We feel pressures to wear the Christian mask, the Superman Christian kind of mask. We feel pressures to perform. We feel uh, pressures to be somebody that we're really not. We feel the pressure to act like somebody that, we're, that we really aren't, that we're more together than we really are. We feel these pressures. They're all around us. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I felt those pressures. So, and I know if I felt there's pressures, there's, there's probably somebody, maybe, 
hopefully. Somebody else has maybe felt the same exact pressure. We have these pressures that are kind of out there to perform, to be somebody that we're not, to fit in, to wear a mask. Because what? We're searching for those needs, but really those needs can only be found in Jesus. So the pressure to perform, to hide our faults, to hide our flaws, to hide our fears, to appear better than we really are. Church, tonight I want to challenge all of us to do this. I want to challenge us to take the pressure of performance off. To take the pressure of whatever your mask is, I want to challenge you to take that mask off. We're not Christian doings, we're Christian beings. And we need to be who God's called us to be. Not who one of the people that are sitting around you, what God's called them to be. We're called to be who God has called us to be. I'm loved by God. Being loved by God has nothing to do with my performance. I'm loved by God, and it has nothing to do with my performance. My performance doesn't cause God to love me. He just loves me. So we need to let the mask go. Amen? Uh, In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 2, in the message paraphrase, it says this. The religion scholars and Pharisees, they were competent teachers in God's law. You won't go wrong following their teaching on Moses, but, there's a big but there, be careful about following them. They talk a good line, but they don't live it. They don't take it to their hearts and live it out in their behavior. It's all spit and polish veneer. So it says, be careful about following them. So who are you supposed to follow? Jesus. But what happens is we get caught up in following others. We get caught up in what others say or what others want us to say or what, us, what they want us to do or what, we sh- what they think we should do. But we get caught up in following others. But the scripture says, be careful about following them. So you put your name in there. Who, who, who are you following that you shouldn't be following Jesus? It says they talk a good line, but they don't live it. Um, Jesus really, in this passage of scripture, you should just go and read it. It's, it's hilarious. He lays out and he's, he's kind of out there and open and kind of being real with the people that, he, that he's talking with. And he's calling these Pharisees and these scribes, listen to some of the words he's calling them, hypocrites. He's calling them blind guides, devourers, filthy cups with clean-looking exteriors, whitewashed tombs. And this idea has the, kind of the similar idea of the, filth, the filthy cup with clean-looking, or, uh, clean-looking exteriors, whitewashed tombs. It's kind of the same idea where the outside of the tomb would be this pretty and pristine thing, but the inside, it's dead and decayed. And that's not what God wants for us. He doesn't want us just to put on a show, but inside be dead and decayed. He wants us to have a life that is worth living and worth being who God's called us to be. And so that's not what we want. We don't want to be a hypocrite. We don't want to be blind guides. So, The idea here is that we need to be real and remove the mask. And so the question would be this for us is, if Jesus was here and he is here, and if he was physically standing in front of us, what would he say about us? Would he think that we would fall into the above list? Hypocrites, blind guys, devourers, filthy cups with clean-looking exteriors. Or would he say, you know what? You're doing your very best job that you can be doing. You're not perfect. I only got that game. But not me, but Jesus. That's what Jesus would say. My wife knows that ain't true. So, so would Jesus say that about, about you? Would he say that, hey, you know what? You're being as real as you can. I know you're not perfect, but you're being as real as you can. Or he'd say, hey, you're just trying to put on a show. 
And it's not about a show, it's about relationship. It's not about show, it's about being, being free on the inside so you can uh, reach other people around you. And so we've got to think about that. What would, what would Jesus say about our lives? And I would say that we need to do our best to reflect him and we ask ourselves the question, are we being real or are we wearing the mask? Let me, let me break out a couple of ideas here about what we can be real in. What we can be real in. The first one is this, that, that I believe we should have real obedience. Real obedience. An important thing. I tell my kids to listen and obey. You've told people that yourself. So I, I tell my kids to listen and obey. And I remember my little girl, uh, she's 10 now, but early on and maybe kind of still sort of. But I tell her, she'd have a hard time focusing, right? And so what I would do is I'd get on my knee, and I'd get on my knee, and I'd say, hey, say, Ella, hey, you need to, you need to listen and obey. And, and then she would still be like looking around. So I, I'd have her put, put the blinders on and say, put, put, put your hands up. Okay, listen and obey. What, are you, what am I asking you to do? And so I'd have her repeat back to me what I asked her to do. Why? Because I'm trying to get her attention. I'm trying to get her to listen. Because if you don't listen, you're not going to obey. Right. Listening is the first step to obedience. Listening is the first step to obedience. If, if you want to obey God, you've got to listen to God. If you want to obey what God is commanding us to do, then we've got to listen to God. How do we listen to God? By getting in his word, by solitude, by getting quiet and asking God, God, would you speak to me today? What is it that you want me to do today? What is it that I need to adjust today? Obedience, the first step is to be able to listen, to actively listen. Like I'm a guy, right? And so I'm in the middle of doing something and somebody asks me something else. Like I don't even hear what they're saying because I'm focused on what I'm doing. But if, I need to, if, I, if somebody's asking me something to, to do something, if my wife's coming to me and say, hey, will you, will you help me do this? And, and I'm doing something else, like I'm working on the truck or whatever, I, I don't even hear. Like I got to stop what I'm doing and I got to give my attention because I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I have to ha- have a hard time focusing. Maybe that's where Ella gets it from. I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I'm not, just got a revelation right there. Sorry, Ella. But the first step is to, uh, to obey, is to listen. You've got to listen, and you're not going to be able to obey. The second step in obedience is to act. So we know what we're going to do, and then we are to do it. We have to have some sort of action. And the question I would ask all of us t- today is, what actions are you obeying God in? What this week, what did, you, what did God ask you to do that you acted on and you did? Because the third thing of obedience that I think trips us up sometimes is we get more worried about the outcome of the obedience than the actual obedience because we allow the outcome of the fear of the outcome not being what you think it's going to be to dictate if you obey or not. Because we listen to God and we hear God and through his word and through him speaking to our hearts. And then we're ready to act on it. But before we act on it, we get caught up in the, in the very last step of, I wonder what the outcome is going to be. I wonder if people are going to make fun of me for the outcome. I wonder if I'm going to be ridiculed for the outcome. I wonder if I, if I really believe I'm supposed to buy the ladies' groceries behind me. And um, is that going to be weird? Or what, what is this going to look like? Or if I'm supposed to do this for somebody? You know, and, and we get caught up in the outcome and being afraid of what the outcome is going to be. And so we don't even take the step to act on what God really wants us to do. And we're missing it out. And I'd rather, I'd rather obey God and try to obey God and missed it and it was just bad pizza? I'd rather obey God and take a risk to obey God than do nothing at all. And I don't know about you guys, but I I don't want to just go through life and just live the life that Sean wants, but I want to obey the the life that God's laid out for me. And so to be real, I really believe that we need to obey God. It involves listening. It involves um, uh, acting. 
And it involves letting go of the outcome that you think it's going to be. And just let God be God. Because you may listen to God and you may do something God wants you to do. And it it may may backfire right there. But you know what? There was a seed planted. And you'll never know that because you told that person at Boston Market that that God loves them, you'll never know the impact. They They may be laughed at you. And maybe you felt bad for that. But that seed that you planted in their heart, in their lives... You'll never know the full outcome of that. And I believe God's bigger than us. Our job is just to listen and obey and let God take care of the rest. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, This is love for God if you obey my commands. That's love for God. Love for God. The next thing talked about obedience. The next thing I want to talk about is real humility. Real humility. We want to be real because fake is exhausting. Real humility. This is a big deal. It says in James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 10, we go down a little bit. It says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and what will he do? He will lift you up. So humility, it says, resist the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So what are some practical things that we can do? Here are some ideas as we try to have real humility. First one is this. Admit your mistakes. Admit your mistakes. A couple months back, I'm just being real. Is that okay? Fake is exhausting and stuff like that. A couple months back, um, my, I was tired. Kids were getting ready for bed. Uh, I think it was just summer just kicked off. And so my kids were wired. Like they were going crazy. And they don't go to bed during the summers. They used to stay up later than normally, uh, no, normal. And so um, I was tired and they were acting crazy. And so I got a little um, hot-headed with my, with my kids, mainly with my son. And uh, I don't do that. We don't yell in our house, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but I, I happened to just, I, 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 was, I overreacted. Anybody else overreact mm, this week? Um, and so I overreacted, and, and I was like, man, that's not, that's not cool. That's, like, that's not who I am. And my, my wife came and, and, you know, was able to um, she, she mentioned that to me, and I love that we have an open relationship where um, I didn't say, woman, you know, that, that wouldn't have went over. And she mentioned to me, hey, you kind of came across, you know, you know kind of rough. And I was like, wow, I, I, you know, I didn't realize that. I was just tired. And so I went in to my son, and I just said, I said, buddy, I said, what you were doing wasn't right. I said, but the way daddy acted wasn't right either. And so I want to come to you, and I want to admit my mistake. I didn't say that specifically, but I apologized. And what it did was it, it was good for me. But what it also was good is I was able to teach my son that real men can be humble. And it's okay to be humble. And we need to teach the next generation. We need to teach kids or your grandkids what it looks like, what humility looks like. And one of the ways that we can do that is we can admit our mistakes. We can admit our mistakes. Take responsibility for things that you've done wrong. Own up to bad decisions. Don't always think that you're right. And don't pass the blame or refuse to own up to the problem. I think that's a big part of humility. God resists the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. Matthew chapter 23, in the message paraphrase, it says this. Do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you, if you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply, but if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. It's okay, and God calls us to be humble. And I believe humility is in every part of relationship. 
whether friendship, whether a marriage, whether small group opportunities, whether serving on the dream team, there's, there's opportunities for all of us to, to be humble. And whatever role that you have as a parent, grandparent, employee, employer, um, wife, husband, uh, child, student, um, pro- professional, whatever role that you're in, God has that. And I have opportunity a, a lot of times to meet with young married couples and even marriages, people that have been married for a while. And one of the things that we always talk about in that environment is communication and humility. And a lot of times couples have a hard time communicating because they don't know how to be humble. So I'll sit in, in my office with them and I'll see very two very proud people. And they're having a hard time communicating. When they do communicate, it just ends up in a big argument. And it's because humility. And, and, it, it, and humility, it brings grace. And when you're having a hard time and when, you're, when your communication doesn't seem to be working, a lot of times it has to deal with humility. And so it's something maybe even where you are as a, a couple with uh, your marriage right now, maybe it's something you need to review. If you're not able to communicate, then maybe you need to look, about, look at being more humble. You can never go wrong with humility. You never go wrong. Never go wrong with humility. Always err on the side of being humble. You can't go wrong with that. God gives grace to the humble. It's not about winning. It's about building strong relationships. Jonathan Edwards says this, The best defense that anyone could have against the wiles of the devil is a humble heart. A humble heart. Humble heart. So let's jump into the next one. Real relationships kind of brings us into that. We want to have real relationships. Real relationships. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. Imitate God. That's a good start. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled of love. I love that. Following the example of, example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. How many of you guys know a pleasing aroma is way better than a non-pleasing aroma? <laughs> this past Sunday was Father's Day, and so my wife and kids, they got me a charcoal grill. My first ever charcoal grill. It's bad. I, I love it. And so this Sunday, I, I put my, my the, uh, I used to use like regular uh, charcoal, but now I use lump coal. I don't know. I just, it looks cool. I don't. Um, so I, I put the lump coal and then I, I put hickory chips in it. So good, man. And then it smelled so good. It was really good. I, and then I, then I threw my marinated steak and chicken and bratwurst and peppers. And man, there was just this aroma of a smell. Uh, how many of you guys are just getting hungry right now? Just think about it. I'm, I'm hungry. So it was just, it was delicious. There was such this beautiful smell. Uh, but the day before that, I had the opportunity to go to the baseline landfill. It's, it's not as nice. Not as nice. In fact, it's pretty nasty. If you've ever had the opportunity to be there, to, to go there, you know. If you've never been, take a field trip. It, it'll change your, change your life. But it says here that it, when we live a life filled with love and we follow the example of Christ, that he loved and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, that it's a pleasing aroma to God, that it blesses him. It's good. It's way better than hickory chips on a barbecue. It's good. He's pleased with that. He wants us to do that. Listen to this. When we, when we reflect God most, we love others best. When we reflect God most as the biggest thing in our lives, then we're going to reflect God best. In John chapter 13, verse 35, it says this, New Living Translation. It says, love, your love for one another will prove to the world 
that you're my disciples. Prove to the world. In the English Standard Version, it says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love for one another. So what, what, what is going to prove to others that I'm a child of God, that I'm a follower of Christ? It's how I love the people around me. People around me. How I love others. So how do we show that love? Through words, words of encouragement, not gossiping. I think a lot of times we can show love by dealing with conflict the way that God would want us to deal with conflict. How many of you guys know it's easy to love somebody when you love somebody? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> when everything's good, man, it's easy to love somebody. It's when we hit conflict. You know, like there's grenades going and stuff's flying. You know, it, it's the example of love. Prove that you're my, my disciples about how you love others. And how we love others is a big thing. We love others. We show that love by serving on the dream team, by giving and, and giving of who you are, by sharing that with other people and helping other people. Uh, we love others and show that we love others by caring for one another. That's why I love small groups so much, man. I, I, I'm loving the life of what's going on in our small group um, community. Um, man, God's doing something huge. And uh, just seeing things on our Facebook page and seeing people care for other people when, when they're down and out and they need food, that they're making that happen. When, when, uh, another, uh, when people are trying to plan something, that there's this kind of community going on. Um, man, when people are in the hospital, group leaders and group members are getting to the hospital even before our, our pastoral team, which is really what it's all about. People are caring for people, and that shows uh, the love of God laying down our lives for others, and that's a pleasing aroma. That is blessing. That is a good thing before God. I love what's happening um, with our community. Listen to this. The only way to find the real you is to find the real Jesus. The only way to find the real you is to find the real Jesus. When people see the real you, they'll see the real Jesus. Let me read that again. The only way to find the real you is to find the real Jesus. When people see the real you, they will see the real Jesus. And that's really what it's all about. It's not about a show. It's not about us. It's not about Sean. It's about us letting other people see Jesus working and living through us. And that's what I see here at Meadowbrook. That's what I see. That's what, the, you know, going back to the very beginning, our core value, authenticity, that Pastor Tim and Alicia, man, they're the most authentic people I know. And we've got pastors that are authentic, that are real. The same way they are teaching on, on this platform are the same, same way they are at the door when they say goodbye. There's not many pastors that want to that, that go to a door after they've just given everything that they have on, on, a, on a platform sharing God's word. But our pastor, man, he, you know, he, he fights to go to the door. He's like, I, I want to go to the door today. You know? and I love that about our pastor. And when you see Pastor and Alicia at a grocery store or at a restaurant, man, they're the most generous people. They're the most real people. The way they act in, in a church environment is how they act in home and in other places. I'm grateful for that. We got great pastors, amen? And it's real. I love that about our pastors. I love that about them. There's this quote by Maya Angelou. I think that's how you say it. If I didn't, I apologize. It says this, People don't always remember what you say or even what you do, but they always remember how you made them feel. And I, and I just want to challenge us to, in the roles that we're in, in the environments that we're in, how are we making people feel? When we leave an environment, when we leave work for the day, when we leave church for the day, how are we making people feel? 
And I think that God would want us to leave deposits of grace, leave deposits of peace, leave deposits of love, leave deposits of servanthood to the other people around us. The last thing I want to kind of hit tonight is the last point is this, the real you. The real you. I love what Pastor Tim says. He says, just be you, full of God. Just be you, full of God. And so what does that mean? That means it's going to take a little bit of action on our part to be full of God. Not to be full of other stuff, but be full of God. So what does that mean? That means take the time to listen. Take the time to get in God's word. Take the time and the investment to build yourself up spiritually, whether through a podcast or reading scripture or devotion book or being in a small group. Just be you full of God. Being full of God. We're not designed to be somebody else. God designed us to be us, to be you. You were designed to be you, not to wear a mask. You were designed by your creator God to be you. You were an original design by God. Imagine this. Imagine what your life would be like if you took the mask off. What would your life be like? Imagine what your life would be like if you really listened and obeyed God and followed his commands. What would your life be like in the lives of others if you really loved people around us? What would your life be like in the lives of the people around you if you really humbled yourself and laid down your life for others? What would your life look like and what would your life be and what would the lives around you look like if you really were full of God? We gotta be real, church. Fake, it's exhausting. It's too much. Just be you, full of God. Get rid of the masks, get rid of performance and let God use you to share his love with other people around you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you guys get anything out of that tonight? Thank you so much for listening.